Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrand. Joining me, as always, still over there in sunny Southern California, the man, the one and only man with a plan, Dan Rubenstein. Sir, how you doing? It's so nice of you to call me a man with a plan because right now, <laughs> and I, I apologize for being cryptic, but my life is a bit chaotic in very good ways, but very chaotic. Um, I will be a little bit more detailed about that the next time I record, which will either be Later this week or early next week, I promise that you only get solo tie for a very short amount of time. But uh, my whirlwind Clawfist creation tour <laughs> continues. That's what I will say. So it's very kind of you to say that. And I'm actually, I am excited for this show, not because it's my final show in this specific Clawfist on the West Coast, but because I, I feel like even though a Clawfist is a, a reality for me, I feel like this show specifically means that we get to enter into yet another new reality um, as we discuss uh, a topic for this coming fall and beyond season. Did you ever play The Sims, Ty? I know you played Sims. Oh, City. yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? You did The Sims. You I created did. like a, a Ty avatar. Oh, I did. Yeah. And did you get to explore sides of you that weren't necessarily based in reality? Were you like a an axe-wielding guitar yeah, god? Yeah, I mean, I, I think folks could gather from listening to <laughs> my uh, standard fare of commentary here on the show that sure. maybe the, 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 the dark side is not necessarily oh, no, something that what it I, is. Yeah, I explored as a youth. So in playing the video game, sure. We went there. You were you were throwing game at virtual ladies? I was, yeah. That's what I'm hearing? Okay. Yeah. So I, I think we get to explore that side of you specifically on today's show. And I'm quite excited to do so because I came up with at least part of the title and concept for this. You did a lot of the legwork, so thank you. But I am proud to say that it was for my brain from which b -b bangers only erupted. So I apologize and or take credit. Let's get into news, though, before we go any further. <laughs> and we explain what bangers only means. <laughs> we have breaking news! Oh, sad breaking news, yeah. I have to play it. Mm -hmm. I hate to play it, but I have to play it, Dan. The Patriot League has announced its decision to suspend its fall season. Actually, cancel its fall season. They have... No plans, at least as of yet, to turn that into a spring season. They said that they will, quote, consider it. It is just the latest domino to fall in this wacky, wild world of college football that we currently find ourselves in. Of course, it was the Ivy League first making the announcement. Then we saw subsequent announcements from the Big Ten and Pac-12 to play a conference-only season. Um as it stands now, it seems that they're going to try to do that in the fall. We'll see if that's something they're able to achieve or not. Still awaiting word from the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. It sounds as if they they feel like they have more time to make that decision. 
So we're obviously waiting with bated breath to find out where they come down on things. But the Patriot League, at least as for now, is not going to play in the fall. May consider doing something in the spring, Dan. Would you go as far as saying Dunzo? Dunzo! Yeah, this was this was a, a specific bummer to us, obviously, because we celebrate and cherish all things Patriot League. Um, I was going to start trying to remember rivers and lakes from the mighty blah 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 to, uh, to the percolating blah blah blah, but I'm just going to say it 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 does genuinely bum me out because one of the things that we like to celebrate on the show it's not even just specifically the Patriot League, but it's all college football. It's sort of finding you know perhaps some nuggets from smaller teams, smaller leagues that are exciting that it, that it's just not Power Five. You know, obviously there are a number of teams to get through, but. The Patriot League felt like it was ours. And, you know, if they're still a Power Five centric and sort of pseudo G5 Power Five league, that's that's or season, not league. That's great. That's that's something to celebrate. But not having FCS programs, FCS programs like, you know, Colgate from the last from two years ago that made a nice run into the playoffs and represented their league really well. It's a bummer that those stories are not going to to pop up, especially in December. So we're sad. I'll, I'll speak for you, I think, and saying that we're sad. There's no Patriot League. A lot of Patriot League fans, uh, I'm sure, are are pretty bummed. There's no Lehigh Lafayette for the first time in, what, 150 some odd years? Crazy. 155? Crazy. And I, I don't know if you saw Black Smoke emerge from the, is it is it Bethlehem PA based, the, the league office? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's in Center Valley, Pennsylvania to be. I don't know if there was it's sort of a... a, a a sadness that you could feel, a cloud of sadness over the area, but I'm bummed out. It 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 sucks. Elsewhere in college football, we have yeah. news that JT Daniels, he sought mm-hmm. a waiver to play immediately at Georgia. That waiver has been granted. You may mm-hmm. recall JT Daniels burst onto the scene as USC starting quarterback. He left after a knee injury and now by virtue of this being accepted by the NCAA. He has three years of eligibility left. It does come with a pretty big caveat, though, knowing where we're at in college football. What exactly does immediate eligibility mean to you? Becomes, (laughs) I think, a, a more operative question. We'll clearly see where the SEC decides to go with its season. But notably, if we just keep it within the college football world here, um, he is expected to contend for that starting role with one Jamie Newman, who comes over as a grad transfer from Wake Forest. So much, I think, remains to be seen on this front where Daniels fits into the equation, not just in 2020 or 2021, but certainly beyond. It's um, it, it's another able-bodied quarterback, a very good one at that, that Kirby Smart can now add into his arsenal. What What is your general impression about? Who are you more impressed by? Who would you rather have your team not taking a chance on, but sort of going in pseudo blind with considering their new transfer players, JT Daniels or Jamie Newman, just from what you have seen of each of them at Wake Forest and USC, which I'm sure is limited in the case of both because of injury and games you've seen because they haven't been necessarily consequential. But who strikes you as the higher ceiling guy given the surrounding talent in Athens? Well, I'll answer this two ways. Everything I've read tells me that I should be more excited about Jamie Newman, that he is maybe a bigger kid. He adds a dimension to that offense that perhaps wasn't there before. 
I think just by sheer number of snaps, the answer is probably Jamie Newman, but I am excited to see more of JT Daniels just because unfortunately his his first season was cut pretty short. I have no idea what to think. I watched a couple of full Jamie Newman games and saw some really good, some kind of bad, some kind of ugly, and I don't know how much of that is system. I mean, Dave Clawson, the, the offense has been pretty efficient of late at in Wake Forest, at Wake Forest. The the JT Daniels thing, at a certain point, I love that phrase so much. I love that preamble. The injury concerns are, I think, legitimate. Some guys just get roughed up and just have bad injury luck throughout their careers. We've seen it time and time again. The Jamie Newman thing, it almost feels like people, considering how long the college football offseason is, and my goodness, could be this time around, it gives people time to talk themselves into situations. And that's something else that I worry about with Jamie Newman, where he might just be fine, but because people are saying, oh, well, new offensive coordinators may have a big difference. Oh, look at the the receiving talent that's returning. Oh, look at the, the field position they'll be put in because of the defense. Jamie Newman is just, he's the best quarterback in the SEC. I'm calling it now. And people just, in successive weeks, talk themselves into situations over talent and so I'm not sure what to think. I, I suppose the arm talent rests with JT Daniels, but if availability is the best ability, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Jamie Newman, I think. Okay. What else do we got? Well, funny you would ask. Yeah. Iowa State's athletic director is detailing significant financial ramifications of there being no college football season. I'm going to read this verbatim. This one comes from a Yahoo sports article. Mm -hmm. In a letter to the Iowa State community, Athletic Director Jamie Pollard detailed the realities that athletic departments around the country are facing amid the coronavirus pandemic. In expressing why it is vital to attempt to play college football in the fall, Pollard revealed the financial hit Iowa State, both the athletic department and university itself, will take if there are no fall sports in 2020. The right. athletic department, quote, would incur approximately $40 million in unfunded expenses in the next six months, end quote. While the university's revenue loss for the educational fund for the 2021 fiscal year, quote, is more than $41 million, end quote, Pollard said. On top mm -hmm. of that, Pollard said the total revenue losses and costs at Iowa State, quote, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic through August 23rd, 2020, are estimated to be an additional 73 million, end quote. So long story short here, mm -hmm. this isn't anything that we didn't expect. We knew that there would be a lot of institutions taking a hit, but I think when you see the numbers in print, it obviously resonates on a, on a different level. I know I speak for you when I say that we, we obviously would love there to be football, but we would love for there to be healthy football conducted in a sure. manner that's responsible that cares for the safety of the players. Um, this is the other side of it, though. And if you follow college football, if you follow our show, you know we we do our best to, to follow the money. Mm -hmm. If you're wondering why is there such a groundswell of support still for playing a college football season in the fall, despite the fact that it feels like it may not be the best decision, yeah, you hear numbers like $73 million, and that could have something to do with it. $40 million, whatever it is. It's a lot of zeros, Dan. And it is going to hit a lot of these institutions on the chin, isn't it? Oh, it for sure is. And I, I feel bad probably first and foremost for, I suppose, 
you know, 17, 18 year olds who are going to a school specifically to play a sport. And so much of playing that sport is tied into their identity and their friendships and their their time, really. I also, you know, you feel for, you know, the local businesses that are going to be hit pretty hard, right? You're, you're talking about all the, the tangential and auxiliary situations, um, restaurants, bars, parking lots, you know, everything that relies on a, a pretty big crowd for, you know, six or seven Saturdays every fall. On the flip side, there is a certain amount of magnifying glass on just how much football pays for everything and everything relies on football. I don't know if you ever see that the, sometimes there are random explosions in New York City that just happen underground or happen in the middle of a building and then you find out that like oh there was an illegal gas hookup 17 <laughs> different units were all hooked up to the same gas main fully illegally and there's no actual correct way to respond to a story like this beyond diversifying can be good and if we are as a college football universe, reliant so heavily on this one thing happening and not necessarily prepared for a pandemic because nobody can be prepared in any sort of you know, rightful way for a pandemic. But if you are putting all of your eggs into a single basket for so many people in any situation, you're risking a pretty big backdraft. And so... I feel for them. I feel for Iowa State. I feel for any school. I feel for FCS schools that are going to be taking hits without getting those payout games that fund so much. But at the same time, I college football may have gotten too big. It may have gotten too big. And this is what happens sometimes. And we, you know, if we're going to get, you know, real big picture, we saw it in 2008 with banks. And is college football too big to fail? Are, are we going to figure out, are we going to see schools dipping into rainy day funds to figure out how to bail out college football? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But I, at this point, that's the sort of language we're hearing from people as it relates to how college football is responsible for rising all boats. The tide of college football is now responsible for rising so much more than even we could have fathomed. It's... It's interesting. It's not the only industry that is facing a reckoning about how to organize and how to figure out finances, but it's. I, I think the business of college football in two years, three years, four years might look very, very different. I have recently learned what the term force majeure means. Yeah, same. And I, to, NBA, college football, yeah. Yeah, as it relates to... Um, uh, being unable due to unforeseen circumstances to fulfill a contract. It's language like that in some of these non-conference matchups that, um, yeah, you, you see bubbling up in the news. So again, something to keep our eyes on. You know, we will. Two other quick ones here. Texas is going to keep the eyes of Texas as its alma mater, but will rename the field after mm -hmm. former Heisman Trophy winners, Ricky Williams and Earl Campbell. Those changes are in response to a request by several athletes a few weeks back after the death of George Floyd. Um, we're going to link up that article. I would encourage everyone to go out there and read the statement verbatim. They are going to make some changes. Tom Herman came out and said he was very proud of his student athletes for moving things forward. I mean, anytime you align your program more with Ricky Williams and Earl Campbell, 
feels like a win, although you should go out and read about who Joe Jamail, I guess, was the crazy successful attorney. Um, and I, I guess he could be interpreted as both crazy and successful uh, from Houston, I believe, who was a billionaire who donated a ton of money to Texas. But yeah, I Campbell Williams, Williams Campbellfield. It just it has a feels really right. nice ring to it. It feels yeah. right. Yeah. Final tidbit here. I've got Shador Sanders. You know that name? I do now. I didn't before 16 hours ago. I don't know if you can see in our shared Google Doc here that I have phonetically spelled out Shador because I did not want to go Globe Tomato on this kid's first name. (laughs) Shador Sanders. He is the son of Deion Sanders. He has officially committed to Florida Atlantic, Dan. The Owls. Yeah, Boca. He is the highest profile commit for new coach Willie Taggart. He is 6'2". He is 200 pounds. He is the number eight pro style pocket passer in the class and the 41st overall prospect. So good signing for Coach Taggart. Uh, If he truly is, and I have no reason to believe he isn't, uh, a blue chip quarterback and a top 10, what do you say, pocket passer? Yep. uh, I don't think he's going to end up at FAU. (laughs) That's my opinion. That's all I got for news, Dan. Anything else for you? I'm seeing class of 2021, Cedar Hill... Texas. Texas. All right. Yeah. Looking at his offers. I don't know if they were committable offers, but seeing Alabama, hard to believe he chose FAU over Alabama. ASU, Baylor. Um, he claims 25 offers. One of his top five offers is Cornell. Okay. Nice. So shout out to the Big Red. Uh, yeah, I I have no reason to believe he won't go to FAU, but hope I hope it all works out for him. All right. As for the content of this show, yes, we're 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 steering into the whole conference only scheduling bit because I think if you follow college football, you follow the show, you clearly know that this is something that that's going to happen. Like the writing is on the walls. If your favorite conference didn't announce it yet, chances are just by the precedent set by the Big Ten, by the precedent set and and followed up upon by the Pac-12. We can see where this is going. All the conferences before long are probably going to announce conference-only slates. So we started thinking strength of schedule, right? Strength of schedule is kind of like a big deal in our world. We talk about it frequently on pretty much every show we do during the fall, certainly as we get into things like who is going to qualify for the playoff, how did teams rank against one another. Strength of schedule is a very big talking point in the world of college football, that will seemingly take on new meaning, Dan, as we enter into this conference-only world. I don't know if I had in mind, I, I came up with the number five because the potential of having five games in the fall, perhaps starting in October, and every team taking a week between games, so a bye week separating uh, each week to give teams time to figure out health issues that, that could bubble up, and then five more late winter, early spring, almost like what... Breaking Bad, Sopranos, uh, I think Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. A lot of shows have done when they say, okay, well, I know our normally our seasons are 10 episodes, but it's the final season and we want to do 14. Let's do seven starting in the fall, then seven starting late spring, something like that. And, you know, Hank on the toilet on Breaking Bad sort of came to mind for me when thinking about how, <laughs> because it always does, Ty. It always, you watched Breaking Bad, right? Of course. Hank on the toilet. Okay. Sure. Hank on the Toilet broke up the first and second part of the final season of Breaking Bad. So 
I, that's how I'm sort of thinking of things uh, as a possibility. Because if you listen to conference commissioners, if you listen to reporters speaking to a lot of people, I mean, our friend Nicole Auerbach, uh, Ross Dellinger has spoken to a number of administrators. Pete Thamel has been very active in this space. That the thing that the common refrain is, it's all on the table. Right. It's we've got a contingency for everything. It's all on the table. And also, if you hear, if you were able to listen to the audio of all these conference commissioners and high ranking people, everything they said probably started with <sighs> just that sound. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what probably started out every single answer given to a reporter about where things stand now. So, because everything is on the table, we're going to go ahead and assume it contains our bangers only plan, which <laughs> is uh, we I think we looked at power five schools, not that we hold anything against G5 schools. But, you know, the G5 situation is more up in the air right now, given that uh, we don't know what's happening with power five scheduling across different conferences and non-conferences. So we'll see. There, there are certainly uh, bangers only teams on the G5 level. But for this exercise, I don't think we've highlighted how bonkers it would be if we had an all gas, no break season where in this hypothetical world, what does every that mean? team is. What does that mean? All gas, no breaks. What does that mean? There's no weeks off. There's no, oh, we have a down and out Maryland this week. Oh, we have an Arkansas team that's clearly quit. Oh, we have this non-conference game that our starters won't be in past the middle of the second quarter. That there is no chance to build depth. There is no chance to exhale where I'm, I'm just going to take a team at random here. Okay, you ready? Yep. Uh, let's go. I just, I turned up Penn State. If Penn State's season were exclusively, exclusively at Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, at Nebraska, and Michigan State, say. You don't have a chance to breathe if you're a Penn State fan. No. It's 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 enough already in a regular college football season to have panic about this linebacker not working out or these injuries on the offensive line or this coach doesn't know how to call a game on third down. The fact that there is no chance to say, all right, let's get into a rhythm. We'd have a down week or whatever. How bonkers that would be, especially if we were alternating Saturdays where – you know, Penn State's only playing once every two weeks, and we have nothing but time to panic about everything as, you know, I mean, it's saying Penn State fans say in this case, or uh, Minnesota fans, or Oklahoma State fans, where it's just Oklahoma State would be, they have Bedlam on the road, at Baylor, Texas, Kansas State on the road, and Iowa State. And that's just going to define an entire year of Oklahoma State football. It's just bangers only, man. Bangers only. Bangers only. Crazy entertainment. I am interested in LSU. I'm interested in how they follow things up after having such an incredibly successful year. Same. So I'm interested in LSU. Do they have a five-part bangers-only schedule where I can say who are the best or most intriguing five games uh, that lay in front of the Tigers? And how does that compare to me being interested in the main team and the five best or most intriguing teams on their schedule? So, you know, so you could say, you know, South Carolina having... Florida on the road, Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU on the road in Tennessee. Those are that's kind of a if we if those were the five South Carolina games that we got to see this fall, that's pretty interesting. Except I don't care that much right now in terms of intrigue as it relates to other teams in their conference about South Carolina. Okay, so, so I need both sides of things. So you need an interesting team with a bangers yeah. only slate. Cuz cuz good games go both ways. Right. Sure. 
So, okay, what what we've done, what we did is we went through quite literally every Power 5 team and pulled out their top five games. We also pulled yes. out some of the games. Conference games. Conference, conference games, games, excuse me. Yeah. We also pulled out some of the games that they are missing. So you mentioned LSU. LSU is interesting, and maybe we can start with them as, as an exercise here. At Florida, home against Bama, at Auburn, at A&M. And then that fifth game, uh, you know, maybe Mississippi State. Maybe, maybe there isn't quite a high-profile fifth game that rises to the level of those other four. I would love to see Mississippi State LSU. KJ Costello throwing into a pretty dangerous LSU secondary, getting SEC air raid at Dallas. I mean, it's at LSU, right? So we're getting it's a new LSU. SEC air raid in in Tiger Stadium. I think that's that has banger potential. I, I think in normal circumstances, again, if we had the yeah. full slate of games here, the fifth game or maybe like the third game, I don't know, would be Texas. That game that they were slated to play early on in the year. That's not in this exercise anyway, not going to happen. So. Of those five games, LSU, I think, is a pretty strong contender for banger of the SEC West. The caveat is that all of the teams in the SEC West, I think, also fall into that category. So let's take you think that Arkansas slate. games fall under the banger umbrella. I'm, I'm saying 20 Arkansas games. All right. Let me offer a caveat. <laughs> LSU, also, Bama. Also, we got to get LSU Ole Miss, I think. That's LSU, a pseudo rivalry. Bama. Auburn and AM are the four teams that I would say are very, very similar in the in this respect. Yeah, yeah. And LSU is definitely interesting. Let me let me posit another possibility here. Okay. I'm are you interested in Auburn? <sighs> Not completely. Auburn goes on the road at Georgia. They've got AM and LSU at home. They go on the road at Bama. For the Iron Bowl, and then they're on the road against a team like Mississippi State. That's a that's a hell of an SEC schedule right there. Going on the road against Georgia, they're also missing out on a UNC game, which I think in normal circumstances would have been a lot of fun to see Sam Howell in that. Oh game. yeah. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm always interested in Auburn because Auburn always feels to me like they've they've got enough talent to go either way. And we mm -hmm. see it. It's like every other year. Is Gus Malzahn getting fired? We don't know. He never does. So looking at a slate like this, a five-game slate, if Auburn could go like four and one through that slate, that would be a hell of an accomplishment. I don't think that happens. But as five-game slates go, especially in the SEC West where they're all pretty tough, that one's very interesting to me. What gets you dripping about Auburn, though? The Bo Nix thing. The Bo Nix thing. In what, in what sense? That you think he's going to explode? Uh, in that I thought he was better than he was all of last year. And yeah. now all I've read about this offseason is how can Bo Nix take his game to the next level. And yeah. I think I'm just a sucker for the big name freshman quarterback, especially in the case of Bo Nix, where he's like a legacy and he comes in with a lot of fanfare it, through the early part of his season last year. It. He had some of those moments that I like to latch on to. Mm -hmm. So I'm holding out hope that he's better than we saw as a true freshman. Yeah, he gets Chad Morris. And, um, you know, with some of these big games on the schedule, it's it's particularly appealing. We know that they've always got a lot of talent on the lines. And we've seen crazy things from a Gus Malzahn Auburn team. You have Mississippi State here as a as a banger team, which I understand. 
but you don't have Ole Miss. I don't know if if you have them anywhere in terms of what you consider to be banger worthy. Is there <sighs> a reason? Because Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, yeah, a DJ Durkin co-coordinated defense. Uh, some returning talent on defense. Jerry and Ely on offense. Two sports star playing baseball. John Reese Plumley promising with the legs. Lane Kiffin familiar with the SEC West. Goes way back with Coach O. Obviously Alabama. I think their ceiling this year, and I think Mississippi State should have a good offense, but their ceiling in terms of narrative and intrigue might be a little bit higher for me. Well, so here's what we're looking at with Ole Miss. We've got an Auburn game, an LSU game on the road, and an Alabama game at home back to back to back. Right. Auburn at LSU, home against Bama. And four of their top five are at Vaught Hemingway. I'm seeing Auburn, Bama, Florida, and the Egg Bowl, all hypothetically bangers only, um, all gas, no breaks. We've got Florida. We've got a game at A&M. And then, of course, we've, we've got the Egg Bowl. So... I would put I would put Egg Bowl over A and M, yeah, for Egg sure. Egg Bowl over A and M. That is a pretty meaty slate right there. I gotta say, I don't think you can have any banger Rolodex without the biggest rivalry game of that specific team. So I'm gonna go with you. I'll go Ole Miss there in the SEC. Yeah, well, I'm just saying Ole Miss, even just as a banger opponent. Yeah, but they're interesting, aren't they? They've got a lot yeah, of interest. They are, and as you compare them to some teams in the SEC East. You know, I highlighted South Carolina because the schedule is a murderer's row. But is South Carolina interesting? That's that's the operative question. That was something that you said at the top. Um, at Florida, home against AM in Georgia, on the road against LSU, and then a home game against Texas. They miss out on that Clemson game. Again, if we're thinking of it in terms of this thought exercise, that's a tough schedule. Are they more interesting, though, than a team like um, Georgia? Or Florida, or Georgia Tennessee. to me, Georgia to me is the the banger only all gas no break schedule here because I at least I have the narrative of Georgia trying to go to Columbia and get revenge for a loss from last season, losing to South Carolina the way that they did and how sloppy they played. Florida with you know Florida's on the road in Knoxville. Florida South Carolina isn't as interesting to me. Florida Ole Miss, there's something there I guess. You know, Florida, Georgia, obviously neutral site, but yeah, I think it's Georgia. I think just in terms of a a slate of bangers, I don't know if I see it anywhere else. I'm intrigued by Tennessee for sure, but finding, you know, maybe a fourth and fifth banger is not exactly an easy task. I think it's got to be Georgia. And I like the storyline too, because, you know, we've been talking uh, a lot about what do they do at quarterback? And there's some turnover there, right? New offense. What's that going to look mm-hmm. like? How will Jamie Newman or JT Daniels fit in? There, there are going to be some new faces on yeah, the Georgia squad for sure. for sure. And they're interesting because they are trying to take that that next step in their progression. full-time running back. Smart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at Bama, home against Auburn and Florida. At South Carolina, home against Tennessee. Yeah. I'm Florida's neutral site in Jacksonville, but yeah. Neutral site. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Miss out on the Georgia Tech and UVA games as well, which would have been really that interesting. That sucks. In the ACC, ACC, so that, me. yeah, that it sucks to lose out on you know a rivalry game for clean old fashioned hate there. But nonetheless, I think that's a good good 
way to look at bangers only. I mean, if you had to rank, are there secret intrigue teams for you? We talked about the Mississippi schools. Like, oh, I'm just going to give you a couple pairings. Okay. Okay. What? Not forget the the five bangers, the four bangers, whatever. Mizzou or Kentucky? Just <sighs> individually. Mizzou or Kentucky? Whose season are you more interested in? I think I am probably a little bit more interested in Mizzou. Okay. I think I'm there too. Yeah. Um, new coach, new quarterback. The coach and quarterback pieces. pairing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think does it. But I must say, I have come around on Kentucky. Okay. I have come around on Kentucky. And um, I don't want to slight the Kentucky fan base. Once was enough for me. <laughs> Let's move to the Big Ten. Okay. Okay. As you look at your slate of what, 14 teams here, 12 mm-hmm. teams, I guess, I get confused. How right. many how many bangers only are we looking at here? I'm not seeing a ton. I'm not seeing a ton just because I don't know how interested I am in Indiana as a, a full drop everything, gotta watch the Hoosiers. They're good. They're fine. They, they could certainly win eight wins this year. Uh, win eight games. I think I will go. Man, I wish I cared about Nebraska more because that the the slate of bangers is interesting. Especially, I think it's the back half of, back half of their schedule, right? It's that's why it's interesting. Okay? okay, that's why it's interesting. Now, look again. We're living in a in a in a post COVID world or a pre, a present COVID world, whatever you want to mm-hmm. describe it as a pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. and. You know that I was on the record saying Nebraska could start seven and zero and finish seven and five. Here is what they're looking at in the back half of the schedule: yeah, at Ohio State, Penn State at home, at Iowa, home against Wisconsin, home against Minnesota. That's a hell of a slate to draw both Ohio State and Penn State from the East is really bad luck. Mm-hmm. Really bad luck. Nebraska's interesting because they've got a dynamic quarterback. At least we're told a dynamic quarterback. When he plays, he's healthy and. Yeah, Adrian Martinez. A lot of fun. I think Moody's downgraded the word dynamic to something a little bit less after last year. Hurts, but yeah, I, when you start looking back two years, anytime I see the phrase, if he can regain his form from not last year, <laughs> but a year before that, that's when I start worrying. There's a Scott Frost element to this coming back home, trying to rebuild mm-hmm. his alma mater. You know, like there's a lot of intrigue there. That mm-hmm. with Nebraska, I, I I latch onto. So I think for me, they're the team here. If you combine the 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 plot line with the schedule, they're the one that I've got highlighted at least in the Big Ten West. Spoken like somebody who does not remember the experience of watching Nebraska football last year. <laughs> Spoken like a man who has experienced forty three months of life. <laughs> since Nebraska last played football, like we all have. I guess my answer is if I had to select a team that combines both the intrigue about them and a slate of bangers, my answer is probably Minnesota. All right. Just so- because of the offense, because they're on the road against Wisconsin for the Axe. They're on the road against Michigan. So it's it's an interesting uh, oh, no, they're on the run against Michigan State. So they have Michigan and Michigan State on the other side. Iowa, they get at home and try to sort of uh, get revenge against the Hawkeyes. So I think Minnesota comes as close just because of the combination of quarterback and, and road slate. To me, that's interesting. But it's a, the, not, a, not a big B1G list of bangers for me. 
it, you know, Iowa isn't interesting to me, but they do get Minnesota, Ohio State, and Penn State on the road, which is really bad luck. Yeah. No, <laughs> they're one good. of the road dogs of this, for sure. And interestingly enough, with the cancellation of the non-conference slate, they can't play Iowa State, which many have pointed out on on Twitter, oh, the sucks. ultimate marketplace of ideas. Mm-hmm. Not always good ones, but that why is it not safe for them to like travel across the state to play Iowa State? I don't have an answer for it, but no, it's a logistics thing. Yeah, that's, in that's, the east, that's as vague as I can be. Yeah, in the east, I think the answer's got to be Michigan. You know, I'm I'm always interested in Ohio State and Penn State, and you know, I've got a soft spot for Indiana. Michigan mm-hmm. State's got a new coach, right? But yeah, games on the road. Michigan's got a lot of turnover. They've got that just constant undercurrent about where are things headed under Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. They've got a road game against Ohio State, which we know is going to be a headliner. Home game against Penn State. They also play Wisconsin. They're on the road at Minnesota. And then frankly, for your fifth banger, you could pick either Indiana, a road tilt against Michigan State, or maybe throw Purdue in there. I don't know. Oh, go with a rivalry game, Ty. Come on. Michigan State, we're going little brother. Of course. I don't know who the little brother is, but yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. At Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, at Minnesota, at Michigan State. So three, you know, interesting road games there. They do miss out on the road tilt week one against Washington that we talked about a couple times. Ooh, speaking and, of a road dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we, we talked about that one a little bit, but um, that game not going to be happening as both no. conferences have officially canceled their non-conference slates um i don't i mean tell me i'm wrong i think michigan's got a lot of intrigue and i think the schedule definitely makes it makes it uh you know trial by fire for them that is not an easy slate of five games man i don't know in year 37 of the jim harbaugh era i i think we have to limit our annual summer michigan intrigue because <laughs> it seems like we're getting a lot of new faces same season with michigan and I you pencil in a loss in Columbus, probably either at Minnesota or you know Wisconsin coming after last year and the way they sort of look listless against the Badgers. Where it's just yeah, Michigan's nine and three, ten and two. See, I That's... refer to this as season six of twenty four. Yeah, okay. You know, I was into that series, right? Twenty. I couldn't tell you which what happened season six, but I'm I'm and willing to listen. I only watched one year. That's part of the point. Because yeah. people who were really into 24 hung with it through about <laughs> season six. But it was at that point where you started to realize, hey, this is all kind of the same, isn't it? Jack Bauerbaugh? Yeah, everything they tried to do started to feel the same. And so season six for me was was an ultimate point where it uh, it started to run together, feel the same. And every every season thereafter lost a little bit of the luster. So was is Jim Harbaugh torturing college football fans just to get information out of the terrorists? Is that I, I don't I'm trying to figure out the connection? Uh, what what was the name of the CTU? CTU. Was, well, yeah, was CTU trying to pull back Jack Bauer for one last? He's the only guy. One last job. I don't know. Jim Harbaugh is the only guy. We've gotten to that point, it's Michigan though, man, where we have to start wondering. I am <laughs> I am not ready to. I'm not. Maybe I'm in season five, but. Not season yeah. six. Okay. Uh, yeah. I Can I tell you that I have secret intrigue in the East? My secret intrigue in the East is Rutgers. Okay. <laughs> Go on. 
Not because I feel like they're going to do anything crazy exciting, but I, I, I feel like they could have a, a wrench season where they're just, they're losing a lot of games 28 to 13, but it's 14, 13 at the half. It's like, ooh, little wrench in a five game all gas, no break season here, perhaps. With the number of transfers, with what I believe to be a better coaching staff, with the weirdness that's whatever happens this next college football season, whenever it happens, I feel like Rutgers can be in a wrenchy position. A wrenchy position? That sounds yeah, yeah. dirty. Okay. What was it? I forget the name of the character from Dodgeball. You can dodge a, <laughs> dodge a wrench, you can draw, dodge a ball. Yeah. And there's something. The old timer. Yeah. Yeah. About Piscataway. Okay. And Rutgers. That I'm not feeling the magic. I'm not thinking pixie dust from the from the Scarlet Knights. I'm seeing Wrench Fest 2020 or 2021. We have seen pandemonium before in Piscataway. Right. Just saying. Okay. Um, I had trouble with the Big 12 because Patches O'Hulahan, by the way. Oh, right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Heaven forbid we forget that. Yeah. I had trouble with the with the Big 12 because you know, it's they all play each other. It's Be- fewer options. Fewer options. And um, I, I felt like we really had to wait pretty heavily which of these teams we were most interested in in a 2020 mm-hmm. season and less so with the schedule. Because, again, it's it's all sort of the same. Um, anyone jump out to you? I I always veer towards Texas, and I don't like the way I feel about that. But Right. Texas to me is where I always go naturally here, just in terms of intrigue, in terms of is this the year Tom Herman can build them up? Are they going to plug some of their gaps? Like, I don't know. Where do you, how do you come down on, on the Big 12 here? Uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, and K-State. I'm going to tell you why. Those three teams travel to Ames, Iowa. And I just, that's, that's banger capital city, Ty. Uh, we've got Oklahoma on the road against TCU, whatever. Fort Worth is fine, but Iowa State does host Oklahoma, and that's just, it seems to be spicy every season, Ty. So you sign me up for Iowa State, OU, wherever it is. Um, we have, what, I said K-State. Yeah, K-State is a road dog, and that includes an Ames trip. So that's Baylor on the road, Oklahoma on the road, Iowa State on the road for a Kansas State team that some changes on defense, but some continuity on offense with skill and quarterback. It's a new look offensive line, but can't I don't know what an advanced wrench would be, but Kansas State has that potential, even as a road dog. I would and agree then, with that. I would agree with that. Uh, Baylor with a new coach on the road in Norman, on the road in Austin, and on the road in Ames. That's tough. It's weird, but returning quarterback, uh, interesting hires on both sides of the ball coordinator-wise. I think Baylor is is all gas, no breaks. And they don't have to play, what is it, Incarnate Ward. In, no Incarnate Ward, no. So there is, there is that degree of Baylor starting off on the same foot after so many years. And I know this is an older narrative, but it, so many years of just ignoring Baylor in September that they're a big beneficiary of just getting into it as everybody else gets into it. So... There, Baylor banger. I'm I'm there. I'm either Texas or Baylor. And I'd like to retract Baylor banger as a phrase. (laughs) I'd like to officially (laughs) retract that. In all seriousness, I have officially retracted it. Uh, I'm I'm either on the Texas side of the coin here for all the usual reasons. Oh, I'm always interested in Texas. Get out of here. Or Baylor. Or Baylor. You know, the new coach. 
What happens without Matt Rule? How does Dave Aranda look as a coach? Uh, sure. We've been waiting for a while to see what Dave Aranda could do as as the CEO of his own program. I'm very excited to be the coach of Baylor. <laughs> really excited for our kids. Really hope we can play. He's a Lego Batman. That's a really, really good impression. With what I'm seeing out there. <laughs> We're going to go out, take it one day at a time. Oh, God. That's too good. Got a great group. Got a great locker room. Stop it. <laughs> that might be the reason Baylor's the answer because of his voice. Go Bears. <laughs> oh, I really, I'm going to miss Dave Aranda voice that I only recently discovered if we don't have a season this fall. I'll be ready. I had no idea that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, uh, we're going to have yeah. a lot of Bruce fun with Wayne. that, aren't we? Yeah. Let's go to the Pac-12 if we could. Okay. Washington, for me, is the is the answer, and here's why. Road dogs, baby. Yeah. All road <laughs> games, all the time. Yeah. New coach, got some turnover. We know about that. Not playing mm-hmm. that Michigan game. Great. On the road at Oregon, at Utah, at Cal, at USC, and at Wazoo. As bangers only schedules go, that was the only one that I could find. There may be others. The only one that I could find were maybe the best five games on the schedule are all on the road. I think for Washington, we have to say they get a Vegas bubble. They might they have to. They get the treat of a Vegas bubble. If they don't get to play a home <laughs> game all fall long, we have to say neutral site Washington. And that that feels like the right place. Now they get to play their games at Sam Boyd Stadium. Or as I called it, Gorman Bishop Field for Tita Field. Uh, but yeah, Oregon's got to go to Vegas, SC to Vegas. They're direct flights from from L.A., definitely not from Spokane area. Um, Utah, Cal, yeah, you can get to Vegas. You, Washington players get better accommodations. They all get condos at the whatever resort. And that's the concession, I think, for for the road dogs that are Washington. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about Oregon, Dan, if I could very quickly. Yeah. Do do you have a little less disdain for the coronavirus because it also means the cancellation of that North Dakota State game? Uh, I let him relieved that Oregon doesn't play Trey Lance and the Bison of North Dakota State. Correct. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's lose-lose. You beat <laughs> up on North Dakota State. You're like, well, they're a good FCS team. But yeah, obviously, Oregon's going to beat them. And if you lose to them... You just, you laughed at. Why'd they schedule them, right? Right. So it would have been, been nice as a football fan to see what exactly North Dakota State could do against a, a clear top 10 team in the country. That would have been really nice. I'm disappointed because I've seen a good amount of attention on Trey Lance. I don't even think through an interception as a freshman last year for the Bison. To see what he could do in a, again, we're talking alternate universes here, a, a rockin' Autzen Stadium, that's a bummer to me. The fact that it was a crazy look-ahead game with Ohio State coming into to Autzen the following week, kind of a relief. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, you know, of, of all the conferences that I saw, there, there are some high-profile games here. We'll talk about some of the games that teams in the ACC are missing out on. But, um, you know, and, and certainly no disrespect to teams like Wisconsin, who had Notre Dame, had App State. Um, 
no disrespect to a team like a South Carolina that might not get a chance to play its in-state rival in Clemson, which you know falls into that Iowa Iowa State category. But the Pac-12 if, is like if you have if you have five games of a team to watch, though, do you want to enter the cone zone? Is that somewhere you really want to be quarantined this fall? <laughs> cone zone. Be honest, Ty. I don't know. Um, I to me, no, no, I don't really. Okay, I I was just. Uh, where I'm going with this is the Pac-12 is really missing out on some non-conference games. Oh, yeah. Had a you huge know, opportunity. US, USC is not going to play Bama or Notre Dame. Washington, we already mentioned Michigan. Oregon, as a college football fan, yeah, I'm interested in North Dakota State. And, of course, the Ohio State game as well. So a lot of artillery there. Um, Utah, BYU, the Holy War might not happen. So, yeah, a lot of intrigue there. I'm just... It's I'm, not happening, Ty. Yeah, <laughs> well, news, not happening. Yeah. I'm I'm searching for a team that I think rises to that Washington level, and um, I I don't really find it here. I guess maybe USC because they've I was got. I gonna say USC is nice. Yeah, they, they're Utah on the road, Oregon on the road, either Stanford or a home game against Cal. That's you know interesting, but for me, it's still Washington. Let me offer you this: Arizona State is at USC at Wazoo. Cal at home, at Oregon, and Utah. I'm intrigued by Jaden Daniels. Okay. The way ASU finished their season last year. Even though I, he was somewhat inconsistent, he rose to the occasion against Oregon. And to see him against some teams going through some defensive changes, Wazoo's certainly struggled last year, now starts over again on defense. Hopefully, I think they hired Wyoming's defensive coordinator. Oregon's going to have a, a better defense this year than they did last year, and hopefully they don't get torched by ASU wide receivers if you're an Oregon fan. Utah ASU, a lot of good back-and-forth history there. I think ASU for sure has bangers only. Is Cal, where does Cal rank on the, on the banger scale? I have here? Cal here too. Utah, Oregon, Washington, all at home. And then traveling to SC, traveling to ASU. Yeah. Cal's You're goo-goo for teams. Garbers. Yeah, I'm always goo-goo for Garbers. You know that. Okay. We do lose the Cheez-It Bowl rematch against oh, DCU. Shit. I know. I know. We're sitting here bemoaning all of these supposedly bigger rivalry games, but Cheez-It Bowl 2 off the table. Let's move over to the ACC final conference okay. here. And then I'll mention Notre Dame quick, just because we have to contractually. Um... I am so, you know, the the Clemson storyline is interesting to me. It's interesting on a number of levels. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen with this season. I don't know which direction things go. None of us do. Bangers excluded. Sorry, continue. But um, Trevor Lawrence and what he does this season mm -hmm. strikes me as something that could be a very interesting talking point. Will will there be upside for Trevor Lawrence to even put himself out there? I think he is in that in that rare stratosphere in the 2020 college football season. It's him. It's Justin Fields. It could be guys like Chuba Hubbard. I, guys who seem like they are surefire top round draft picks who may yeah, consider. Sewell, yeah. Yeah. May consider what this means to them and their careers moving forward. Um, Clemson still has some interesting games on the schedule, though. There's Louisville game. There's a road tilt against Notre Dame, a road tilt against Florida State. There's a Syracuse game, which has given them trouble in the past. And then there's a Wake Forest game, which I just threw in there because I needed a fifth. But eh, Talk yourself into more than one and a half bangers on Clemson's schedule. Louisville gets a half, Notre Dame's a banger on the road. It's hard. 
I mean, the Florida really State tough. game, the Florida State game is traditionally very interesting, but it's not lost on me that they're essentially starting over with Mike Norvell. Yeah, I think Clemson's banger free since 83. To me, that's how I'm reading it. The games here that I have highlighted are at Clemson, home against North Carolina, home against Miami, home against Louisville at Virginia Tech. They miss out on a Georgia game, but I'm talking about UVA, Dan, in the Coastal. Yeah. That's a pretty good slate of bangers as it goes in the ACC, and it was the best slate of the teams that I could find. Louisville is also in that equation. Louisville. I am interested in them because of Mikhail Cunningham. Yeah, Louisville, I think, has the best case just because of what we hope Louisville to grow into as a hopefully sooner rather than later challenger to Clemson, even though talent-wise they're pretty far off. When you have a quarterback, when you have a coach that seems to be building things the correct way, that there is hope with Louisville, I think. At Clemson, home against both Florida State and Virginia Tech, on the road at UVA, on the road at Notre mm-hmm. Dame. That's a pretty good slate. They miss out on the yeah, Kentucky I, rivalry. You know, Florida State's TBD, but a lot of these teams are teams Louisville should beat and should beat with some comfort if they are indeed taking that next step. So that's intrigue. That's banger. I got Coastal. here. Virginia Tech missing out on Penn State's kind of a bummer. Florida State in particular misses out on non-cons against West Virginia, Boise, and Florida. Good for Florida State, though. <laughs> good for that's them. tough. Yeah. Which is good for them. And yeah. um, Miami misses out on a road trip to East Lansing. How would you settle things? How would I settle things? Yeah, how would you settle things? If you have a bunch of 5-0, and 4-1s, maybe a scrappy 3-2 and two who had two crazy tough uh, road games, very tight loss, perhaps. It's... Without the data of 12 games, where we're seeing how a team, a team improves over three, four months, we're seeing five games with a week separating each game, or I guess a week off separating each game. Do you say, well, Ohio State is just the national champ. They look the best. Are you just awarding it? Are you fielding a neutral site, low-key national championship somewhere? I think it's Barry Alvarez on Twitch, 24-7. Let's go. Talk it out. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what he has to uh, say. Dude, former AD, former standing coach. With only five games, do you take three weeks off and then do a Sweet 16 tournament in some sort of bubble? Oh, man. Can this be our next show? Sure. So how to decide a five-game season using either games or not games to decide things? This is the show we're doing next Wednesday. <sighs> Where's the bubble? How's yeah. the bubble enforced? This is what we're doing next finals Wednesday. There? This is a great idea. I'm going to put it on our sheet right now. This is what we're doing. What separates four and one teams? What criteria? Five and O teams? Are you automatically out if you lose twice? We're inventing our own universe is what we're doing. So it's it's what it is. is It's double elimination. I think so. I think it has to be. Double elimination. (sighs) Are we saying flex bracket? Could be an 11 team bracket with some weird bye week action. I am down with the flex, baby. All right. (laughs) Bangers I'll just only. mention yeah, bangers only. I'll just mention Notre yeah. Dame here very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there is potential that they could pick up some free agent bangers because they are missing out on Wisconsin and Stanford and USC. Again, this is assuming the ACC will make. Who would they pick up though? That's available. Well, I'm just wondering, like, would they would they pick up a team like a Miami or a UNC, a Lehigh, Lehigh? Yeah, I mean everything's mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's on the table. They do play Clemson and Louisville at home. 
they got a road game against Pitt, which could be tricky. But um, I'm curious if there would be a move to try and pick up some action there, if there are ACC teams that are left wanting additional football games. Uh I also want to make mention of BYU. I know I got BYU fans that listen. They're in a real sure. weird spot here. And Vanquish that got, foe. They've got games against Utah, which we mentioned, Michigan State, Arizona State, and Minnesota, all of which are are seemingly canceled in this scenario. So hopefully they're able to, uh, if things proceed, find some way to craft their own bangers-only schedule. But uh, things looking a little rough for the Cougs. Maybe BYU puts on a secret Mountain West hat and is like, baby, 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 baby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, hey. Shh, shh, shh. All right. Um, well, this is a weird show. Can I ask you one final question? One final question. All right. Just because we're talking about, you know, a, a record setting or not record setting, but a, a one of a light once in a lifetime set of five. And bangers only just sort of brings to mind some sort of radio hour in Tulsa, I don't know. Michael Jackson had five number one hits on the album, Bad. Only one artist since then has had five number one hits on a single album. Who was it? Gotta be Lady Gaga, right? Katy Perry, your girl. On 2008's Teenage Dream, five number one hits. I think it's Teenage Dream, E.T., Firework, California Girls, and I'm missing one right now. Is it Hot and Cold or was that the previous album? I'm missing one from that album. But she was the the record-tying artist that on that album, on Teenage Dream, bangers only. Man, okay. Hi, that's I can't believe you got that wrong. It's a wheelhouse topic for me, Katy Perry. I actually, I just didn't have enough time. I did download the 8-bit version of Firework. But <laughs> Teenage Dream. With the most successful number one single album uh, of the of the modern era, Ty, and you you whiffed. Well, we should leave it there, Dan. Okay, we should leave it there. That. To my everlasting shame. Last Friday night. Oh, thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am Ty. He is Dan. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Got another one coming on Friday morning. A conversation with a good friend of the verbal. Yeah. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star review if you like the show. Go on out and follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you want to keep the conversation raging, where I'm sure many other verballers mm-hmm. will be talking about raging. their favorite bangers, go on out to solidverbal.reddit.com, Dan. I have nothing to add, Ty. I have sort of destroyed my voice doing Dave Aranda. So I'm going <laughs> to sign off here. For that guy over there, my Great good friend. Show. For myself, Ty Hildebrandt, y'all take care. We'll talk to you in a few days. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.